digital transformation for digital transformation's sake, not necessarily all that exciting, doesn't have the lasting power of a five to 10 years. How do you link that to something that is more sort of meaningful and impactful? It's alignment within the company, both from all the way up as high as you can go within the food chain. You know, is it the board members? Is it the C-levels? Yes, is the right answer. But then alignment all the way down. So even the, the line workers out in the field can understand why are we doing this? As industrial manufacturing continues to evolve, IT has played an increasingly vital role. However, with the introduction of computer control and automation, IT has remained largely separate from OT, or operational technology. IT is commonly used at the business level without connection to the OT servicing at the production line. Both IT and OT have grown in sophistication and value to the business, but the next revolution will come with the bridging of that IT-OT divide. It's a revolution that is happening now. In this episode, you'll learn how to bring IT and OT together towards one common goal. We'll be hearing from Bobby George, the Chief Digital Officer at Carrier, and Douglas Bellin, the Business Development Executive for Industry 4.0 and Smart Factories here at AWS. All right, awesome. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. And to get started with our conversation today, I'm curious to understand what are some of the challenges you see that are associated with scaling a digital strategy? Well, Caroline, thank you for having me. Um, I'm very excited to be here and to share some of our uh, learnings as we've gone through and initiated a digital transformation strategy at Carrier. Uh, first, of, most importantly, from a digital strategy scaling perspective, it is about the skills, the organization, and the team um, that we found is critically important to have in place before we can we can scale. And we found that in Cario, where we had a team that was distributed across our business units, um, and we just didn't have the ability to coordinate a set of actions across these teams to be able to then drive a coordinated strategy. So that's kind of one um important areas to have the capability and the skills in the team to be able to uh, drive digital strategy inside the organization. Um, the second piece is really about um, making sure you've got sort of top-down buy-in across the organization. Right? So historically, we've been a company that has sold equipment and products. And now using a, a growth strategy that would be specifically aligned towards life cycle value around these products, whether it is through services that we want to drive and or new digital capabilities that we want to drive is kind of an important aspect. So making sure that there is leadership buy-in top down and ensuring that there is clarity in purpose around how we want to go drive the digital strategy across the organization. Few other things that will be important is ensuring that there is commitment to the long-term staying power of the digital strategies because these things don't turn around overnight and you have to have the commitment and the willpower to continue to drive the strategy going forward. So I would say those are some of the key elements, investments, the right people, having the top-down alignment across your business units and ensuring that everybody is committed to the mission is kind of important to make sure that you have a uh, you have a digital strategy that you can scale. Yeah, absolutely. And when you say uh, you know commitment from the top down, can you specify 
who exactly at the top is most important um, to, you know, extending that strategy? Are there any specific positions or leadership positions that you're looking at when you're referring to that? Yeah, I mean, it starts right at the top. The chairman and the CEO of our business, Dave Gitlin, um, he's been the most vocal champion of our digital strategy and our digital transformation. He's uh, leaned in into the digital organization to be able to drive how we transform, how we run our business differently. So how do we drive operational efficiency and automation in our manufacturing processes, in our selling motions, working with our customers. That's kind of one aspect of it. How do we grow our business differently? How do we engage with our customers by making sure that we have the opportunity to uh, have a life cycle engagement with our customers, right? So right from the time, it is not a episodic point in time sale, but a life cycle engagement. So it's kind of through the life of the asset and how the customers utilize the asset and understanding that feedback real time. And finally, in terms of how do we drive new growth opportunities for carrier by offering net new capabilities that we didn't traditionally offer to our customers, whether it's through connecting our products. So Dave has been a champion. Our chairman and CEO has been a champion. It's leaned into the digital strategy and it starts there. And then subsequently, the rest of the presidents of the business units and everybody else who kind of understand the value of digital um, in how they can continue to drive and offer value to their customers, very, very important as well. Um, human resources leaders across the organization. So I work very closely with our CHRO in our organizational transformation and our talent transformation. Um, I work with the uh, marketing organization in talking about sort of our capabilities and in, in taking digital to our customers and the value add of digital to our customers. So it's it's really the entire organization, but it starts at the top of the CEO. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that, that explains a lot. And, you know, when you're talking about bringing together a, a lot of different parts of the organizations, one of the things I've been reading a lot about in the industry is IT, OT convergence and how, you know, IT doesn't necessarily understand OT in different aspects, and sometimes their priorities can contradict each other. So I'm just curious, have you experienced that challenge at Carrier, and how have you been able to kind of connect those department silos? Yeah, I mean, in fact, um, it's interesting you ask that because most of the products that we recently launched, um, especially when we think about sort of that third phase of our digital transformation, which is net new products and services that we can offer to our customers, bringing together our capabilities around hardware, sensing, analytics, software, cloud-based software, native software. Um, how do we offer a set of capabilities to our customers that brings all of these pieces together? It's kind of been the key. And I'd say that is essentially at the epicenter of bringing IT and OT capabilities together. All right. So think about, you know, for example, spaces that Carrier has a focus in. So we play in the building tech space. So HVAC systems security systems, access control systems, fire alarms and fire security systems. So mostly all of the equipment that goes inside a building, we have a pretty important part to play in terms of offering solutions in and around the space. Now, traditionally, you would consider all of that as OT. However, for a building to be smart, for a building to be responsive, to be uh, for a building to be healthy, resilient, and safe and sustainable, 
you need to bring together a significant amount of these capabilities and combine it with what you would call the traditional IT capabilities, whether it is cybersecurity, whether it is understanding people, actions, and behaviors inside a building. And, and that's kind of an example of how you bring together OT and IT. And in our case, we brought that together in a product called Abound. And it's an offering that we have in the marketplace today, which is how do we extract all of the capabilities in these building systems that are trapped in these silos, bring that up a level, combine that with how people access these devices, access their spaces, look at the spatial information and bring all of that together to then drive smart building ecosystems and outcomes that was not possible to drive before. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it it's also makes me curious to how this has impacted the broader industry where I'd love to ask you too, Doug, um, you know, I know you meet with customers from all around the world who I'm sure have experienced this problem from your perspective. You know, how have you seen this ITOT convergence impacting the broader manufacturing and industrial industries? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the good thing is that Bobby's kind of outlined a lot of the great steps to be able to go forward with. Yes, you need CEO and engagement in with this because this is not a six month program that is going to then be thrown out and then the next one's going to come on from there. This is not something that is, you know, just a few people that are going to do it. It truly is a full company capability that needs to transform and change. And, you know, you look at the ITOT convergence and yes, they are completely different. There's different aspects, different capabilities that people talk about. Uh, sometimes it's even just different words that need to be mapped together. You know, how, how, how one comp how one division looks at one thing and another division looks at another area. When we look at companies that have been very good, like Carrier and others that have been on the podcast in the past, of how do we align into this? How do we drive these capabilities? And how do we understand how we make it to scale? A couple of the customers have come to us and said, great technology, but, and you hear that but, and you go, uh-oh, something's going to hit us hard on this one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and, you know, and the, the good thing is, though, that's also a time for us to lean in and go, okay, I need to start listening now. I'm not saying I wasn't listening before, uh, but I need to understand what they're really having an issue with. So what can we do to help them change that, help them move forward with these capabilities? And a lot of customers said, you know what? I can do this once. I Let's pick on predictive maintenance for a particular asset. Um, and companies want to be able to do things like maintenance as a service type of capability. So if I'm selling an asset to my customers, I need to understand the variables, understand what's going on, not just for that one asset for the customer, but maybe potentially thousands of those assets that are in the field. And that also maybe means a lot of different parameters that are out there that we may not see in our lab and have in our data sets from that standpoint. So customers came to us and said, yep, I can do predictive maintenance really well on one asset. But when I bring in other variables and other nuances and other capabilities, I kind of have to start over and that doesn't scale. You know, one, one asset might take a few weeks to build up and fine tune and get the right model going forward. But ultimately, you know, the question was, but I can't do that if I'm doing thousands of assets in a couple of weeks each, I can't scale. It's going to be years for me to get returns on investment and everything from that standpoint. And that's where a lot of the technology from the IT side and from the vendors have to start to absorb that time to 
value or time to first return on investment and make the second, the third, the fourth one scale very quickly. And that, that that's one of the reasons why in you know November, December timeframe last year at reInvent, we looked we, we launched a couple of our products like Lookout for Equipment and Monotron and a few of those other things to help the IT department go, hey, we bless this, it fits the IT parameters, and OT go, wow, this is going to help me scale and drive that to the next level as we go forward. Yeah, absolutely. And Bobby, have you experienced any of those things that Doug brought up? And if so, do you have any examples you can share with us from the launch of Abound? Absolutely. I think, you know, fundamentally, when you when you try and sell into a, a large corporation, a building system. So, for example, the a product like Abound, which is a platform that extracts data from all of your building systems across the board and normalizes that data, enriches that data, creates relationships. And now you can drive new outcomes from that data, whether it is yeah healthy uh building outcomes which is you know i'm indicating whether the building is healthy or not and how does it affect cognitive function for the occupants in that building that's kind of one use case that you would use it for whether it's a sustainability outcome that you want to drive when, when you want to know what are the most energy consuming equipment and devices and operations that i have inside my building is there an opportunity for me to calibrate the operations of that or whether it is some sort of incremental smart building type outcome, whether it's occupancy based, HVAC management, et cetera. So there are various outcomes you can drive, right, within a building with a product like Abound. But the first question that we are encountered with when we go to a building would be, is that safe, right? And usually that is a concern of a CIO or a CISO, right? And they're looking at this and saying, you're coming and putting an edge device on my network and it is sitting on my network and accessing these devices. Now, is this safe? And that's where the true test of the, if, if the IT and the OT folks haven't worked together to ensure that you are able to respond to and make sure that people are comfortable with the stuff that you're putting in there, that's kind of a big ob objection right there that our salespeople are not going to get past, right? That's kind of number one. Then you start looking at some of these uh, operating characteristics or signatures from your OT devices. And then you start looking at things like when you look at a building profile, for instance, you look, you start looking at occupancy based characteristics, right? There are certain people in certain areas within a building. Um, and there is certain behavior, right? So some people come in at 8 a.m. and leave at 5. Some people come in at 9, stay longer. Some people, you know, with, with COVID and the mixed use within our environments, there are flexible work environments, flexible work arrangements. People are not traditionally using office spaces as they have, but how many of the office operators or office space operators or the facilities managers have gone back and adjusted the operating schedule of their HVAC system, which, by the way, consumes about 70% of the energy inside a building. So really? that's another, wow. yeah. It, and so that's an example of how you could be doing small modifications in assessing data across your IT systems and OT systems to be able to then truly come up with an optimized way of operating a building with all of that information available, right? So, so those are 
a couple of examples. One was an objection handling example. Another one is combining these information sources to be able to drive new outcomes. These are new discoveries we will continue to have as these systems begin to come together. Because in the in the traditional space, it wouldn't have ever had that insight would not have been possible unless you combine the IT and the OT systems together. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought up the security concerns. That was one of the first things I was thinking of as you were talking through that. And I know that can be kind of a contentious point between IT and OT. Um, but more broadly, you know, now that we kind of understand some of the challenges that were associated initially with launching the digital strategy and how you worked through those, I'd like to kind of also understand how you were constantly getting feedback from customers and throughout the process to improve it. So could you talk a little bit through, you know, some things that you learned during the initial launch of this or just how you launch digital strategies in general and how do you work through um, when things come up that aren't working um, and how do you learn from those to improve the process? Yeah, so maybe I'll take a step back here and you may use this opportunity to explain what Abound does, right? So, so Abound is essentially a multi-tenant cloud-based platform that accesses sensing data, equipment data from across a building, aggregates that data, enriches that data, and provides visibility and actions to that data, right? So we, we think about it as driving visibility into indoor spaces, being able to recommend actions based on the visibility you have around indoor spaces, ultimately moving to more of an autonomous building, smart building management system. So that's what Abound does. Now, when we embarked on this journey, essentially driven by the pandemic, right? So COVID had had created a heightened sense of awareness around building spaces and indoor air quality. And we said, there is, a, there is a crying need at this point in time for a solution that provides visibility into spaces you, you occupy and the air you breathe. We had done, like two years ago, we had done a study in partnership with the Harvard Business School and Dr. Joe Allen at Harvard, where, you know, we looked at some of these air parameters as part of that study, for example, right? So there, let me take three sort of core parameters that we measured as part of that study. So CO2 levels inside a building. So a conventional building, 950 parts per million, an enhanced green building, what I would say is about 600 parts per million. Ventilation rates, about 20 cubic feet per minute of external air, right, ventilated. And for an enhanced green, that will be double. So it's about 40 cubic feet. And then VOC, volatile chemicals, about 500 to 700 milligrams versus less than 50 milligrams, right? So, so enhanced green is a good building, high air quality. Conventional building is what mostly most of us occupy on a daily basis. Had a study, this study had participants in that study, and the responses were amazing, right? For the enhanced green building, that sample population, the response rate was, crisis response was 131% better than in another building for the people in an enhanced building. Strategy score, so ability for people to think and strategize, 288% better. Right. Information usage, 300 percent better. So there is a lot of cognitive studied impact based on the quality of air and based on in the, in to, in the internal air quality that has always been around. But it was never visible, never important 
And I wouldn't say never important. It was not that critical and front and center to everybody. But COVID changed all that. And that was the opportunity for us to really lean in and say, can we do something different here? Can we bring the solution to market? So that's kind of one is establishing the need and the time has come for a solution like that. Right. So that's kind of first thing. Then you ask me about how do you iterate through customer feedback, which is great because we've had three design partners, uh, three customer of ours, customers of ours who are design partners in the process. So when you look at internal air quality and people who wanted to bring their customers back in, we looked at one, which is a school district. Everybody wanted to send their kids back to school post COVID, right? So that's one of the areas. So we participated with the school district who was a design partner. We participated with the class A office space because we wanted to get people back into working environments. So it's kind of a second design partner. And the third one is the Atlanta Braves, um, and which is uh, you know an arena stadium where we wanted to bring people back into the ballpark to watch games. So all different types of locations. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And based on criticality of getting people back into these indoor spaces. Yeah. So having them as design partners early in our process and creating solutions that solved real customer problems was kind of an important way in which we looked at uh, building this capability and, and then iterating through that, right? So making sure that there is... Uh, very quick responses to feedback and then iterating, modifying, navigating and pivoting through that process until we get it right based on our customer needs. That was kind of number one um, aspect of how we uh, how we looked at it. Yeah, definitely. How did you get those uh, design partners to you know want to do this with you from the start? What was their motivation? Yeah, so meeting of minds and these are these are important partners and customers of ours who we've been having ongoing ongoing dialogue about on these kind of topics. And, and really there was a shared need, um, one on, our, on their part to, like I said, bring people back into their spaces and two, uh, having an understanding that a good understanding of data and the operations of equipment inside a building can really mm-hmm. drive that kind of uh, uh, capability. And, and they've been traditionally challenged or blocked, I would say, by the not having innovative solutions that can essentially you know, talk to multiple systems that talk different languages, right? That's kind of another problem in our world, which is all of these building systems could be in place for a very, very long time, and they could be speaking multiple languages and protocols and normalizing across them has been a pain. So looking at all of those things and making sure that you've got the right response and the right technical solution that solves for it is very, very important as well. Yeah, and when you say that they're speaking different languages, can you uh, provide some context on that? What do you mean? And is that something that you know other industrial companies also struggle with? I mean, in mostly in all, all kind of OT scenarios, you have some version of that speaking different languages and protocols. So in our world, you've, we've got a protocol, which is a fairly modern protocol called BACnet over IP. Uh, we also have other protocols, which are serial, Modbus, et cetera, et cetera. And this is different from what most of us in the IT world know as the modern IP communications protocol, right? So where, where, and, and to be able to decode and decipher what these equipment are telling you, which have been installed over the last 20, 30, 40 years, 
uh, and to be able to then go on and normalize that to make sense of it and to be able to then take actions on that information is kind of the key challenge of our times. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for elaborating on that. And, you know, kind of as you look back at this journey of launching Abound and um, working with those you know, digital partners throughout the design strategy, I'm guessing that there's probably something that you learned that you didn't know, you know, getting started or something that you wish you would have known. Um, is there maybe one specific scenario that you can think of where you learned something new that surprised you and something that you'd like to share? You know, it's interesting. Never embark on a on a new product initiative that is massive and transformative in the middle of a pandemic with a team that you haven't hired. <laughs> That's kind of lesson number one. But, yeah. but jokes aside, getting past that, right? So for for us, I would say the the biggest learning for me specifically has been around um, going back to first principles thinking in some solving some of these and and getting to like solving for outcomes versus um, trying to solve for everything right because there is mm -hmm. only so much energy and capacity each organization and team has and mm -hmm. I'll elaborate on what I mean by that is. The, a lot of the inventions and innovations around infrastructure and services and all of the things that AWS, et cetera, does, and AWS is our partner in this space, um, gives us a lot of tooling that allows our teams to innovate very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. So figuring out where our sweet spots are and where we should innovate and spend time and money and effort on is very, very important in the process mm -hmm. versus trying to do everything for everybody. Mm. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to focus. Yeah, I think a couple areas would be what what are those areas that that AWS is helping you not have to focus on um, as you kind of look at what you've built? What were you looking at before that you said, oh, geez, how are we going to build this versus what AWS was able to kind of drive and say, you know, we don't have to build that because AWS offers us these things already. Yeah, I mean, obviously, so sort of the core infrastructure is a service capability, right? So we're using very contemporary software skills in terms of building out some of these capabilities. Mostly everything is sort of serverless, right? So making sure that DevOps and operational maintenance in the future is minimized and, and so on. So, for example, some of the things that we are using as part of the AWS platform it is the AWS IoT core is a, is a key piece of how we are driving standardization around um, MQTT brokers and IoT rules and so on and so forth. Um, we are using a ton of different GraphQL services uh, or graph database services and knowledge graphs and things like that from the uh, AWS store, as well as a lot of the more advanced services like the analytic services um, that you have to offer. So what multiple layers of capabilities, infrastructure as a service, some of those modern database and database services as a service, uh, analytics um, uh, services that we have, we have leveraged from AWS. There's no reason for us to go build all that. However, the, the secret sauce around how do we convert sort of a BMS building management system data 
into actionable insights is what I would like my team to focus on. Um, and so that we can then take um, real creative solutions to our customers and solve real world problems. No, perfect. That, that helps quite a bit. Um, so you mentioned a couple technology things in there, just to, just so our, our users can get kind of a, a wrap into there because they may not understand. So you mentioned graph. What, what do you mean by graph database? How, how are you guys using that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, a, a really good example of this is um, when when you look at the the building spaces, there are a few things that you're trying to relate and make sense of. One is you're making sense of all of the equipment inside a building. So when you think about HVAC systems, HVAC systems have usually a chiller, right, a massive chiller that powers the HVAC. Then you have air handlers uh, that send air within a building and directs air within a building. Then the ducts, right, ducting and duct work. Then you have actuators and sensors on the walls that measure the temperature and set points around temperature. So now you multiply that with fire detection systems and fire panels and access control systems and access panels. There's a whole bunch of stuff in your building. Correct. Yep. Now you need to relate all of those things together, right? This this air handler with this fan is located with in in, in this uh, uh, hierarchy in this building system. So so you need to create a building hierarchy. So that's kind of one thing that you need to establish, which is all of this all of the equipment you have inside the building. Then you have spaces inside the building, right? You have multiple floors, multiple zones, multiple offices, and you need to be able to locate where the equipment is in the spaces that they occupy. Because if you need to now dispatch somebody, right, to fix an equipment, you need to be able to know where that air handler fan is so that that person can go there and fix it, as, as an example, right? And then the third thing you wanna do is people. Right? You have different people with different profiles. Most, some of us feel hot, some of us feel cold inside a building all the time, with respect to what the temperature is. Right? So true. <laughs> so, so, so Sounds like the, me and my husband in our apartment. One of us is hot, exactly. one of us is cold all the time. <laughs> right, like two folks have to reconcile and resolve, and I'm sure mm -hmm. you win all the time, right? If, if it is my household, <laughs> wife wins yep. all the time. So uh, the, the opportunity for us to be able to relate people, spaces, and the equipment together is what a graph and a knowledge graph allows us to do in terms of a semantic model. Now that's kind of starting point. Now what happens in a building, right? You have improvements, you have extensions, you have reconfigurations, people come and go, people change offices, buildings undergo renovation. So how do you keep it current? How do you make all these changes that are going on in, in, between your equipment and the spatial relationship, how do you keep that current and relevant so that you can take appropriate actions based on that? And that's what something like, for example, a, a knowledge graph allows us to do, is to keep that current and continue to extend the relationships between these as things change and evolve over a period of time. Right, so really what it's doing is, is kind of, um instead of you coding and programming all these disparate different things out there, it kind of does it automatically for you, right? 
Yeah, I mean, in the traditional world, which we are all familiar with, right, is you have a fairly rigid data model that begins to relate this stuff. And any time you want to make a change to that data model, it's usually an act of God or you know, a pretty significant change. And, and that's what used to slow things down. And so now when you're abstracting all of those concepts into models that are forever extensible and that continues to live and change, depending upon the new relationships that you begin to discover between the systems, then it becomes a pretty dynamic environment that can, yeah, can change and innovate very, very quickly. Okay. Great. Well, that, I mean, thank you for going into all those details, especially on the buildings. That really helps me understand how the technology kind of fits into, into the overall solution, how you chose the right technologies to help build this new um, bound technology. So, you know, now that we understand a little bit more about, you know, how you ensured the right initiatives were put in place to bring this new solution to market, I kind of want to shift our focus now into looking forward and how your learnings from this experience are going to impact your strategy even five to 10 years from now. So, Bobby, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how leaders in general can be more proactive when launching new digital strategies and how your learnings will affect, you know, your proactivity from the next five to 10 years? Yeah, you know, I think, for example, right, so we, we are at the intersection of what digital can do for carrier and what some of these sort of mega trends that we are encountering as human beings are kind of, we find ourselves in the middle of that, right? So for example, sustainability is significantly important to all of us. It's top of mind for most of us when we think about reducing, you know, the impact of all of the things that we are doing on the environment and how do we minimize the impact of them and create more sustainable environments in the future. Building health is a absolutely, absolutely critical aspect of what I think will be top of mind in the awareness for people. Uh, we have a refrigeration business within Carrier and we launched another platform called Lynx, um, which we call the connected cold chain platform. So all the way from like food waste, right? From when we transport food and the ability to transport that and refrigerated containers and cargo we play a very, very important role as carrier because we create, make those equipment that transport the thing. So we created this platform called Links that connect all the way from the source to food. What does that do? That minimizes food waste, that transports vaccines very safely from the point it is manufactured to the time it is administered. So when you think about sort of these big mega things, sustainability, food waste, transport. We are at the intersection of that, making a difference to that. Now, can our traditional technologies allow us to do it? Yes, it can. But could it do it most effectively? Probably not, unless you bring all of these capabilities together with digital and reinforcing and connecting the dots and pulling all these pieces together to then drive new outcomes around those spaces. So that's what I find most exciting is digital transformation for digital transformation's sake not necessarily all that exciting, doesn't have the lasting power of a five to 10 years. How do you link that to something that is more sort of meaningful and impactful um, has been kind of the key in which I would suggest to drive digital transformation initiatives forward, provided we have all of the other things that we talked about earlier in the, in, in the part, right? Mm -hmm. So which of those megatrends did you talk about are most important to you personally? 
for me, sustainability is uh, pretty significant, and I think um, you know we we are we are faced with all of these challenges across the board around uh, the impact of the environment and and climate change and all of the impact associated with that. And people are beginning to take that very very seriously across the board. And we see that across our customer population as well. Is is everybody is very very interested in figuring out how they can minimize the um, the damage caused by building stock, for instance, on the environment, and how do we get to carbon neutral or carbon zero? As most of you, and Amazon has uh, again been a huge partner in this and has been a leading advocate for sustainable futures. So we are excited to work with you guys as well in a variety of different ways, whether it is making your data centers more efficient, whether it is making your warehouses more sustainable, et cetera. And there are a ton of efforts underway, so we appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you connect it to a bigger purpose beyond the company, but also kind of what impacts the whole world and everyone around us. And um, that's really exciting to be a part of that journey. So thanks for sharing that. Um, so to wrap up here today, I want to give you both a chance to share um, kind of your big takeaways from our conversation. I'm going to start here with Doug um, and ask you just to share, you know, what what should a listener who heard our conversation today take away and where should they get started and use these learnings to make a difference within their company today? Yeah, I think the key single word that people need to kind of look at is alignment. <clears throat> and alignment has, of course, many different facets to it. You know, as, as was rightfully said at the beginning, it's alignment within the company both from all the way up as high as you can go within the food chain. You know, is it the board members? Is it the C-levels? Yes, is the right answer. But then alignment all the way down. So even the, the line workers out in the field can understand why are we doing this? And being clear and open of why we're doing what we're doing as a company from this new strategy, from this new implementation. So people aren't afraid of what it's going to do to their roles and, and everything from that standpoint. But I think also alignment also has to do with your your bigger technology partners, right? It's the old, it takes a village to do these capabilities and aligning with the right partners and the right capabilities is always key that one, the partners understand where you're trying to go, both from a technology standpoint, but also from a business standpoint, and then are able to help build, offer, and, and develop with you to support that vision as you go forward. So I think the key takeaway to me is literally a key, simple word of alignment. <laughs> I love that. It really wraps up the whole conversation pretty well into one word. What about you, Bobby? What are your big takeaways and what would you like to share to finish off this conversation today? Yeah, you know, that, that's that's a very well stated, Doug. I think I agree with you across all the different stakeholders alignment. And then I think you said a key thing, which is, you know, it takes a village um, to to get something done and bringing the best to bear to go, whether it's through a partnership model, whether it's through a customer engagement model to drive solutions is absolutely, absolutely important in today's world. I, I would say, you know, find a unique opportunity, right? Wherever you are, whichever industry or a company that you're playing in, um, look back um, and assess what puts you in a unique position and what gives your organization a right to win in that space. So, um, and leverage that unique skill to create a solution or a product or an offering that can then truly create 
competitive differentiation for you and your organization and sustained competitive differentiation for you or your organization. I'll tell you, in our case, Avant was that, right? So where world put us in a unique opportunity with pandemic and COVID, bringing visibility to in indoor spaces, we are in the most unique position with the domain expertise as carrier where we move air, we have HVAC systems, building management systems, and years and years of domain knowledge in these spaces. And how do we leverage that unique skill and that domain expertise along with capabilities with digital and reinforcing it with digital and our partnership model and our investment strategy and our culture to go drive new solutions and capabilities. That's what I would I would say in summary, kind of the core of the digital strategy for us and for anybody who's listening. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you both for being part of this podcast today and uh, look forward to our conversations in the future. Thank you, guys. Excellent. Thanks very All much. All right. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to AWS Industrial Insights. If you want to learn more about today's episode, head over to the blog for a list of featured resources on this topic. You can also find today's blog in the episode description and also on our website at aws.amazon.com slash industrial slash podcast. 